0: Let's go. Episode 1 Cato podcast. Gonna be plenty of gags, gonna be plenty of sports. Gonna cover some NFL, AFL. It's uh 25th of January. Nice sunny day. I've had you know a love a lovely morning. I've been laughing all morning. Uh a, fr- a buddy of mine, he you know, he started doing this meal prep and he's real excited about it. And, you know, usually Sundays roll around in your youth, you get excited to go to revs and, but now you get to 26 and you get excited for your meal prep. Anyway, he's been making these Mexican burritos and uh, freezing them and then take them to work. And at lunchtime, he has to go and heat them up and, and get the whole thing going. But he works in a co-working space and there's different floors and different businesses. So, you know, he's got to heat up or toast his Buriti on on one floor and then take it down in the elevator with him down to his floor. And uh, one of the businesses in his co-working space has Steph Claire Smith in it. And I just can't get the thought out of my head of him standing there with this plate of stinky bean and chili burrito riding the elevator down with Steph Clare Smith kind of standing there and him kind of going, oh, hey, yeah, made this myself. I could I could pre-pack a couple for you if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's just, it's just killing me, this whole riding the elevator with a stinky bean and chili burrito. Anyway, let's get into it. Uh, NFL playoffs. Kansas City go through, the Bengals go through, Philly go through, the Forty ers go through. I I think it's there were n- no real major upsets. I I think the best teams got through, which is you know I I think pretty representative of how competitive and how equal the league is, and I uh, I think it's you know it's. It's going to be an awesome, awesome conference championship round. I do want to talk a little bit about the losing teams just quickly. So, AFC side, Jacksonville, I mean, they finished last last season. They finished last the season before. They've made the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence looks really good. They weren't embarrassed against Kansas City. I think they're going to come back stronger than ever. They're going to get Calvin Ridley back next season, like... There's nothing that you can really... You can't really throw shade on them. They, they need a bit of work on their defence. I think their linebackers were some of the worst tackling linebackers in the league. So, it, Jacksonville get a pass from me. They, they had a they had a pretty good end the season. They, they were slow to start games and I'm sure Doug Peterson will spend a lot of the off-season working on getting them into games early because, you know, if Trevor Lawrence has shown already that coming from behind isn't an issue, it just shows how good of a quarterback he is. So... They're going to be a okay. uh, the Jags. The Bills, not so much. I think when you go to the divisional round three seasons in a row and you can't get over that hump, something's wrong. And I think everyone can see that something's wrong and it's not a talent issue. I think that's the only thing that's probably a good thing for them is it's not a talent issue. They have really good players, both sides of the ball. They have a top five quarterback in the league. They have a top five wide receiver in the league. I, you know, I, I think they can fix it because it's not a talent issue. They can go to the draft and fix the offensive line. We saw what Kansas City did in free agency a couple of years ago. They fixed the offensive line. I, I think the Bills understand what they need to do from a talent standpoint, and that's not going to be too hard. But it's really more of a scheme and situational thing for them. They're throwing the ball on third and two, 40 yards down the field. You know, they're not incorporating that run game when they need to. They're not relying on their run game when they need to. They were up against uh, the Dolphins in the wildcard round, and they're throwing these long passes down the field. You know, they got picked, uh, and it it, it turned the game because they're going for these bombs when they're up 17-0. Like, it just seems ridiculous. You you have the ball, you've got a good lead, control the clock, control possession, take six minutes off the clock and 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 make you make the other team have to play defense for, for large parts of the game. Like we saw in the in the Giants Eagles game late in the in, in the in the fourth quarter it was early fourth quarter, the Giants decided to punt thinking, oh maybe the defense can get the ball back and the and the Eagles went, you know what, we're just gonna take Six minutes off the clock, we're going to run you to death. You're not going to get the ball back and, and, and completely squash any any chance of winning the game. So, I mean, that's that's something that the Bills need to look at because it's just not a talent issue. And, you know, maybe Josh Allen turned the ball over a little bit, but, you know, when you're going for your shots, you do turn the ball over. I'm not too worried about the turnovers. I'm more worried about why they're not running the ball in Obvious run situations, and why are they not leaning on their run game, and why are they not, you know, is it just that they don't trust their offensive line? I don't know, but they've got to, they've got to figure out a few things with their scheme and this, and how they, you know, is it a McDermott thing? Are they not? Is he not confident enough in in running or making decisions situationally? I don't know. I mean, they lost Dayball, and we've seen what Dayball's done with the Giants, and we've seen how good he's been. At, Keeping Daniel Jones on track and, you know, I, I I think Dorsey is a good offensive coordinator, but, you know, they've got a lot of things they need to think about in this offseason. Uh, NFC side, we'll go to the Giants because we were just talking about them. Look, I don't think there's anything that... They way outperformed where they were going to be. They had no salary cap space to move. They couldn't make any moves during the year. They had no wide receivers. Their offensive line finished 30th in the league And they made the divisional round. So, I mean, it just shows how good they were in close games. It shows the development of Daniel Jones. He was able to make plays in big spots. Uh, Saquon Barkley is, you know, one of the best running backs in the league and he showed up all year. And the defense, you know, I think even though very injured for large parts of the season and without, you know, much corner help or, or safety help, really outperformed. So... Look, they're still a rebuilding team. They've got nine picks in the draft this year. They'll be back. I mean, maybe they drop off but because of how much they outperform, but they'll be back in the next couple of years. And I, I think with Dayball there and Joe Shane as the offensive coordinator, they are, they're in a really good spot. And they've got a bit of money in the next two seasons to be able to sign the guys in-house that they want to sign and then build on that and add add guys as they go along and and build on those core pieces. So, yeah, I don't think anyone's too worried about the Giants. I think they'll sign Daniel Jones. I think they'll probably sign Saquon Barkley, even though he's asking for kind of that $15, $16 million a year. I do think that... I, 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 I think when you've got core pieces who are leadership guys, who are major playmakers and who really did win you a lot of games, it's going to be hard to not... Maybe just go that extra one or two million for Saquon. Uh, maybe they're going to try and do it on a on a on a shorter year deal, so it's a three year deal, not a four year deal. But I think they will end up signing Saquon, or even just franchise tagging him for a year, and then and then re-signing him after that, or you know, seeing how they go. Dallas, different story. I think Dallas are in a very, very weird and bad position because Dak Prescott isn't worth forty million dollars a year and Ezekiel Elliott isn't worth $16 million a year and overwhelmingly the AFC is about the best quarterback and overwhelmingly the NFC is about how good is your defense you look at teams in the NFC right now and go okay the 49ers have the best defense in the league Philly probably has the second best defense in the league I think Seattle, which defense really showed up for a lot of parts of this season, getting all of these early picks from the Russell Wilson trade are going to be a amazing defense in the next couple of years as well. Dallas obviously has a good defense. The Giants are building on their defense as well. Carolina's defense is really, really good. And if they can somehow figure out the quarterback position, they're going to be awesome. We've seen the Saints be awesome at on defense for a while. We know the weapons... That the, that the Rams have when healthy on defense. So it, it really is a defensive side or a defensive conference. And Dak Prescott can't, hasn't been able to make plays season after season in the playoffs, in the early rounds of the playoffs, against these better defenses. So what do you do? Are you just going to keep rolling out the same thing with expensive guys like Dak and Zeke who... It just means you don't have money to go and pay receivers. Their receivers this year were CeeDee Lamb, maybe, I guess, Dalton Schultz, and then no one. So they can't actually afford to go and get anyone. And they're not getting... They just don't have that offensive wow factor to get them to the next phase. And they don't have the money. So I think Dallas are in a situation where everyone's looking at going, geez, you know... We paid Dak because he was a leader, and we paid Dak because he was a clubman, and we paid him because he didn't make many mistakes, but he made mistakes this year, and he wasn't able to win the big games, and he didn't have Amari Cooper, and it just makes you think, you know, what are Dallas doing? Because their defense showed up. Their defense kept... A 49ers offense, which had gone for 35 plus points a game the last four games, to to 19 points. But if you can only score 12 points in a playoff game, what are you doing? If your kicker is, if your kicker can't kick, what are you doing? I mean, it's just they'll they'll sort the kicker thing out. But the DAC issue is big, and it's kind of you know everyone in Dallas is sitting there going, we don't have a team. That can put up points in a playoff game. If, if we don't have that, what do we have? We don't have anything. So, I think there's yeah, a lot of worry that's going on in Dallas, and they—I don't know how to fix that situation. I, I really don't. Take calls, take calls on on Dak because you're going to have to at some stage. Let's 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 look at the at the matchups coming up. I think the. The match between the 49ers and and, uh, the Eagles is just the most tasty matchup of all time. Like the 49ers with this insane defense, with all these superstars. I mean, someone was saying on radio the other day that they think if the 49ers and the Eagles were put their teams together, they would overwhelmingly have a better team than the rest of the NFC put together. And I mean, you can make a case for that with guys like Nick Bosa at at, who is probably the best edge rusher Chat uh Fred Warner is the best middle linebacker in the league if you look at the at the corners Chaverius Ward Darius Slay's uh, all pro corner James Bradbury's a pro Bowl corner it, it just becomes you know <laughs> overwhelming the the inside of their defensive lines for both teams are, are impenetrable it's just it's just going to be a really really big matchup and i think probably philly should be favorites i think the way that philly does this run run pass option where they run it through the through the running backs in sanders and boston scott and gamewell and then they run it with with uh, jalen hurts who's just been exceptional and then they've got some of the best pass catchers in the league i mean every play they could do three things and it's so hard to read them and it's so hard to stop and they can just move the ball, especially once they get a lead, they can move the ball slowly on you and just cut you to pieces. And we've, we've been seeing them do it all year. They did it for, for two months at the start of the year. And then, you know, Hurts got a little bit beat up and, and and they slowed down a little bit. They lost a couple of games when they had the backup QB in. But I mean, against the Giants, they were just back to it again. They're rested up. They're going to be really hard to beat. I think maybe Purdy, who's been a really good story, gets found out. Not majorly found out, but I think... I don't know if you can keep up this rookie QB. He's thrown a lot of really close two interceptions. I think with the speed that Philly move and the quality of their players... You know those nearly interceptions may turn. So, you know we'll, we'll see how that game pans out. On the other side, I mean, it's such a tough break for for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes, the Mahomes drive against the the Jags in the in the uh, divisional round. The first drive was was a pure beauty. Watching that, I think everyone watching it went. There is no way Kansas City are not going to the Super Bowl and probably not winning it. Mahomes is a magician. He is a technician. The ability to throw the ball sidearm, the ability to jump and pass, the ability to find space. It was just, it was clinical. It was just like absolutely classic Patrick Mahomes. And then he goes and gets his leg rolled up on, and now the Bengals are two point, two and a half point favorites. I mean, it's actually sad. Like He was just out of this world, alien Patrick Mahomes. And now we're going to have to see this this warrior side to him, which I think looking at the way that the Bengals have played, they have just been so consistent. Their defense is so consistent. They have the number and match up well on Kansas City. Burrow is just as good as ever at the moment. All their receivers are healthy. I mean, yes, their offensive line is not healthy, but Mahomes not being able to move side to side and, and, and doing those Mahomes things is going to mean that this is going to be a lot tougher for, for Kansas City, I think. So, I mean, it is a bit sad. I would have loved to have seen prime Mahomes against prime Borough, but instead we'll have to see what Andy Reid can concoct up. They're going to be coming after Burrow. We know how good Jones is on the inside. We know how good Frank Clark is on the inside. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be an awesome matchup. I think I've got Philly by three. And i probably got the Bengals by three as well. So, that's kind of how I'm seeing those matchups hold up. It's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm so pumped up. Switching over to a little bit of AFL just because the season's coming up, you know, as NFL winds down, AFL picks up, I think I'm starting to get really excited about some of the, some of the prospects coming through, I'm a little bit pissed off about Supercoach, I mean, <sighs> I decided to open up a, I decided to open up this podcast, it was from pre-Christmas, it was a couple of guys, I think it's probably one of the only good Supercoach podcasts out there. This guy kind of reads out, you know, his backline, who he thinks he's probably going to put in his team. He lists off about five or six guys, early stages, who they are. Then I, you know, Supercoach opens up a couple of days ago and I log in and his whole team are the highest selected players in Supercoach. So I don't know if the way it works, you know, I mean, I've been playing Supercoach for nearly 20 years. I don't know if the way that this whole Supercoach thing works is that the the super nerds, the super super duper nerd, super coach guys go online, pick their team at the start, and then every single other one of the 120,000 or 150,000 people that you know play super coach just go on and go, oh, they're the highest selected players. Well, I'll just put them in my team. I've seen articles just in the last couple of days about the most highly selected players, and they're just the same guys as as this kind of super nerds podcast guys. It just, it kind of makes me think, that maybe the whole classic Supercoach is, you know, it's a little bit past, it's, it's gone a bit past what it, what it should be. And I think it's a bit old and dated now. I think moving towards a kind of dynasty draft setup for Supercoach is the way that, that it, most players will move to. It's not something that's done very regularly at the moment, but as soon as uh, the Herald Sun allows you to to, to customise their platform well enough that you can do it and, and they become like a sleeper platform for NFL, I, I think everyone will move over to that pretty quickly. So because of that and because of how pissed off I was about, you know, this kind of every, every team selecting the same players, I've decided to pick a couple of guys that I really like the look of that are 0% ownership. No one no one knows them. No one likes them. And I just think that these guys are genuinely going to have good seasons. Now, hopefully, Supercoach keeps updating their platform so that players who are good players and who impact games score points. I know that the top five guys in Supercoach, uh, the top five goal kickers from last year have zero or 1% ownership in Supercoach as of right now, which is just a travesty. They, they really need to reward people for impacting games and goals impact games. You know, I, I know that Tom Mitchell, who gets 35 touches a game, impacts games, but he doesn't impact games as much as someone who goes and kicks four goals or kicks five goals and really, you know, changes the course of the game uh, through the scoreboard. So I hope that Supercoach can develop their platform so that they reward these types of guys. I don't know if it will, it will happen because, you know, it's such a stats-based thing. They really need to change their scoring a, a little bit there. Anyway, I'm going to give you a few guys that I think are going to have sick 2023 seasons, both super coach and just regular as, as AFL players. So we're going to start in the West. We're going to do one from Freo, one from West Coast. So from Freo, there's a young guy in his second season called Nathan O'Driscoll, and I, I love him. I absolutely love him. He's this tall, kind of striding midfielder slash forward who kicked... He kicked 10 goals last year, and they were some of the sickest goals you'll ever see. He kicked one of the goals of the season against Geelong from the pocket at the Cattery, and I think he's going to jump onto the scene. He's the type of guy that's going to get between kind of 15 and 25 touches a game. He uses the ball really well. He's hard, he lays big tackles, he moves up and down the wing really well as well. So I don't think... I mean, in the modern game, if you can really move, then your ability to get the ball is just going to be that much bigger. You see guys now like McCluggage and Merritt, who just have tanks and run all day. They're the types of guys that are going to get heaps of ball, but they are. And you see guys like Fife, who used to be a, you know, a tough inside midfielder and get heaps of ball. Because his tank is slowing down a little bit, he just doesn't touch the ball as much. You, you really do need to be able to run those 15, 16 Ks a game if you're going to be able to impact the game. I mean, even in the grand final, we saw Isaac Smith, who's got one of the biggest tanks in the league, just destroy Sydney because he runs all day and he, yeah, he just dominates. So I think these types of guys, and I think O'Driscoll is one of those types of guys who's really got a tank on him and he's going to move up and down the wing for Freo collect a lot of ball and be damaging with it. And that's kind of what I'm looking for in a in a young player who, you know, young players aren't going to go into winning 25, 30 touches a game. But if they can get 15, 20, 23 touches a game, kick a goal, kick two goals, be damaging, get goal assists, lay big tackles. I mean, you can't you can't go past a guy like that. And I think he's going to score really well in Supercoach because of it. From a West Coast point of view, at the end of the season, they really started to try some things because their season was over. They didn't have many picks. Uh, sorry, they didn't have many wins. And you know, it was, the end of the season when you got four or five weeks to go, that's when you start to try people and see how they go in different positions. And Jermaine Jones got moved to halfback, and he was electric. I think in his last four games, he was over ninety points in every Super Coach game. He was really moving off the halfback flank quickly. He is dynamic. The way that he tackles, the way that he breaks off that halfback line, that's really what the new modern AFL is going to be about. Because teams set up such a strong zone structure, being able to have the right players who cut lines and break lines with their feet is super important. And then being able to move the ball and deliver forward is super important. And he kicked goals. He was playing, you know, kind of this halfback flanker role and he was moving forward and kicking goals. So I really think they're going to continue with that into 2023. I don't see them changing that. And I see Jermaine Jones as an absolute weapon because of that. I I, I see guys in the league like Blakey and, and Bailey Dale who start on the halfback flank and they really move the ball with their feet and then kick long and cut zones apart. And I think that's the type of player that a lot of teams are looking to try and get into their team. I think CJ at Hawthorne does the same th- type of thing. And I think that Jermaine Jones is probably going to consolidate that role for, for West Coast in 2023. Another guy on of the side of, the, of, the, uh, of Australia that I think is going to really improve, and I don't think it's much of a surprise, is, is Tom Green of GWS. They lose Hopper. They lose Taranto. Let's go. It's, it's time for Tom Green. He started the season last year an absolute bull. He was dominating. He didn't have the tank. He, he, he started to fall off. He fell off a cliff at the end of last year. His scores fell for Supercoach. His impact on the game fell. And, you know, I think another preseason, a little bit more responsibility. You know that two of your best midfielders are gone now. You have to step up. And we've seen that Tom Tom Green is a tackling machine. We've seen that he's, you know, a bull at the contest. I think another preseason, and you know, maybe he loses a little bit of weight so that he can run a little bit harder. I think he will do those things. I think a change of coach giving him a bit more direction. The last year, DWS had this kind of floating coach thing. Cameron was in, he was out. I think that probably affects a lot of younger players. They don't really know where that kind of vision is, and you see in a lot of young teams with a new coach, they get that vision straight away because these young coaches are good. We've seen how McRae did it at Collingwood, we saw how Mitchell did at Hawthorne. we saw how Voss did it at uh, the Blues. A new coach can really push that vision and, and, and really, you know, bring all these young guys together. And I, I think that Tom Tom Green's really going to benefit from that. And he's just going to get more time in the middle where he's going to rack it up. And he's a dangerous player because of his size. And if he can learn to use his body and get forward and, and kick goals the way that Hopper does and, and, and be that inside gut, uh, inside the guts guy like Taranto, man, I think his ceiling's going to be really high for, uh, for 2023. Anyway, uh, That's episode one, Kato's Eatsman podcast, a little bit of sports, a few gags, NFL, a little bit of AFL. I'll be back to you with the second podcast in a couple of days, probably, because, you know, I can't get enough of doing this stuff. So, yeah, let's go.